This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Basically. I'm your host, Stephanie Preisner, and with me in studio today to talk about all things food, but not the food that you're thinking, is Di- registered dietitian Kathy Monaghan from weaning.ie. Kathy, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Delighted to um, be here. I have a I have a dog in this fight. <laughs> this is why I've dragged you in here. Uh, Rory is twenty weeks now, and I can see at the end of the road there is. Um, a big ominous carrot waiting for me because we're going to have to start putting her, giving her some solid food and I'm really overwhelmed by it all and I don't even know where to start. One of the things I've noticed is that my Instagram algorithm knows that Rory is about to start eating solid food and it keeps giving me all of these pages and all of these videos and all of these tips and all of them are different, Mm. by the way. Like there's Mm. no one way and as an autistic person I want... I want a date and what to feed her and what time and the next day and the next day, which is obviously not realistic. So we've brought you in here. Will you give us a set? Like, where, where do you want to start? I guess th- for the listener, like, how do you start moving your baby onto solids and giving them a positive relationship with food, you know? Yeah. So I think the first thing to think about is that not all babies are ready for solids at the exact same time. And to think about not all babies are born at exactly 40 weeks. Not all babies get teeth at the same time. Not all babies walk at the same time. Not all kids are ready for school at the same time. So it's about from the beginning, you're feeding the child in front of you, the baby in front of you. And it doesn't matter what your sister did, your cousin did, your, you know, your brother-in-law, your whoever. You know, it's the child in front of you and it's your house and your way you're going to be eating together for at least 20 years um, or cooking for them for probably 20 years. I don't know. I think we're living house for longer now. now. Probably yeah, 25. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, don't just jump in. Take a bit of time to think about how you actually want things to be. And is know. there a guideline, though, of like when it's too early and when it's too late? So before 17 weeks is too early. Um, and the earlier you start, the slower you go. So if you feel your baby is ready for solids at around 17 weeks, realistically they might show the signs of readiness and you might feel like they're ready to start solids but actually if you give it a week or two the readiness can settle down a little bit and you know you might get another couple of weeks out of them (laughs) and you know there's no medals for starting early there's no medals for waiting until they're exactly six months so it is the child in front of you Um, it's thinking about uh, the signs of readiness would be that they have a steady base that you know they can sit up for a couple of seconds without falling over on the ground on their own yeah okay um that they've good head and neck control that they're starting to lift things you know hand eye coordination is coming on and things like that um and you know if you do feel your baby's ready for solids earlier you go slowly if you do wait to the 6 months you move more quickly to tastes textures and things like that if you okay. want to do baby led weaning you can't start until the 26 weeks because developmentally they're not ready. Okay. If if you want to do baby led, so you have to wait till 26. If you're doing purees, you can start a bit earlier. So I have three kids and they were all ready for solids at different times. What times? Uh, say 21 weeks, 23 weeks, 24 weeks. Right. Um, so the WHO say wait till 26 weeks, but the WHO is taken in the whole wide world. And, you know, their job is to protect every baby in the world. So in the one recommendation, they're protecting the most vulnerable babies in the third world, that if they started on solids too soon or, you know, water, even formula from contaminated water supply or that they don't have the sanitation that we have, we're putting them at risk, mm-hmm. you know, that could be fatal. So the furthest safest time without solids is about 26 weeks. 
Uh, the earliest time is about 17 weeks. But before that, we know that our digestive system is too immature. The kidneys are too immature and we definitely don't want that. What is baby led weaning? So baby led weaning is uh, no spoons, just hands and it's solid pieces of food or, uh, you know, finger sized pieces of food or but so not a puree, n- not a puree. Uh, but if you do do purees, once you encourage self feeding and you're you're given preloaded spoons and letting the baby lick the food off their hands and things like that, then um, you know you're you're doing the principles of baby, baby led. led so if you're terrified, don't do baby led. Okay. And there's no, you know, I, I think sometimes parents feel in a pressure to declare themselves in one camp or the other. Yes. But actually. Uh, you know, learning to use a spoon is the start of figuring how to hold a colouring pencil okay. um, or a pen or... But you're giving them preloaded spoons, you're not yeah. putting the spoon in no, their mouth. No, so you want everything like to do with kids, we want them to feel safe and secure and in control. So if if we're putting the food to their mouth and keeping things clean and, you know, they're not in control, but if we are invoking curiosity, kind of putting them a preloaded spoon in front of them, you know, neuroplasticity, the more they practice something, the better they get. If they're trying to get the spoon and get it to their mouth, they're in control and they're more likely to be relaxed. And we want them to get messy. You know, mess is, <laughs> I, I think a lot of parents struggle with mess before you have kids. You know, or when you have a baby, you get you have all the paraphernalia of having kids. But then food brings the mess. Food brings the food on the walls yes. and the food on the floor and... Because I've done your masterclass and there's this one bit that broke my heart where you're standing in front of your kitchen island and there's all of these, you know, like there's different types of beakers and different types mm. of bottles and plates and whatever. And you say, you see all of this? This is all, all of this like anti-spill stuff. This is all for you. This is yeah. not for your baby. This is not developmentally good for your baby. And I was like, no, yeah. oh my God, the mess is going to be everywhere. Yeah, so if something reduces, if, you know, reduces the mess or addresses a fear of yours, it's developed you pretty much for you and not for your baby's development so, so and you said that the cheapest beaker the one that yeah. spills when it falls is the best one for yes your baby. so you know a lot of parents will text in and say um yeah like baby just won't take water can't you know try in weeks and won't happen but a lot of the beakers are just too sophisticated for where the baby is at developmentally so you want the cheapest bottom of the shelf one where when you turn it upside down the water just comes out of it or like an open cup depending on the age of the baby so that, uh, you know, they don't have to have uh, developed the ability to to suck from a be- beaker because, you, you know, sometimes you nearly need Hoover suction. To it's, get some yeah, so it's if they can get the beaker to their mouth and a little trickle of water spills into their mouth, you're helping them develop a taste for water. So if say if you do, you hand a baby a spoon, right, and it's it's breakfast time mm. and you're giving them whatever food we can talk about the foods after. And you can see most of that ended up on their face. Like, do you have to hold back and go, I, I'm going to put some in your mouth because then I'll know that you've eaten something? No, because actually it looks like they don't get anything. But you'll notice that the stools change a little bit and then okay. that a little bit of food has gone in. And that's enough. Like, you don't have to be looking because I'm obsessed with because I was combination feeding, breastfeeding mm. and bottle. I've become obsessed with like the milliliters and measuring, stuff yeah. measuring everything and also I have an eating disorder well I had an eating disorder mm. and part of that was my obsession with weighing and measuring everything mm. and you know I can never unlearn how many calories are mm. in an egg or how many mm. calories are in mm. six almonds but we don't have to pass it on that's what I'm trying yeah. not to do you know yeah. and so I have an obsession with like is she getting enough is she getting mm. too much mm. so if I just leave it 
leave her to it will she take in as much as she needs so like a successful meal isn't what gets into her belly okay a successful meal is that you've been relaxed she's relaxed and you've enjoyed it okay and there's no nutritional aims from food until after about seven months okay and then you know they they just start to come in but it's not straight away they need to be on three meals a day perfect you Mm -hmm. know so nothing about this is going to be perfection Mm -hmm. You know, some days she's going to eat and enjoy her food really well. Other days she's going to be getting teeth and she's not going to enjoy it. Constipation is the most common problem that parents see when they start solids and that will affect her appetite. So I suppose, uh, again, it's feeding the child in front of you. Some days will go wonderfully or, you you know, as in you'll be happy. Mm -hmm. And then other days she'll be happy, but it mightn't been the volume that you want. And that's the way it's going to be all her life. You have a really good mantra that's through the masterclass. Um, do you want to tell people about like delineation of responsibility between yeah. baby and yeah? Parent? So that's from Ellen Slatter. So it's you provide, they decide. Okay. So I suppose we're a generation kind of that likes to measure, likes to, you know, tick off. Mm-hmm. We've done this. Uh, yes, that's okay. They've drank this much. Yes, we're doing a great job. But actually, Tracking on an app, it's not. Um, you know, you're not feeding a robot or yeah. you know, her appetite's going to change and it's to try and uh, so you're providing the food. It's about learning. OK, she needs, uh, you know, this much iron, whatever carbs do this. You know, it's not as much veg or fruit as possible. You know, feeding the microbiome, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so we're prevent present. We know what we want to provide and then we're giving her the autonomy to have food. And then we want in- to, you know, so generally you know, babies that are growing well are born intuitive eaters and uh, we're trying to preserve that when we start solid. So we're trying to, uh, you know, I suppose not interfere too much. Okay. Know, know our role, but we're not, uh, you, you know, we're not the be all and end all. And there's certain things that we don't need to pass on. Yes, I hope so. OK, so let's talk about the types of food. So say if you start, so 26 weeks, you can start baby led. Yes. Or you can start spoon feeding at that point, yeah. but you can start spoon feeding earlier than that. Yeah. But it would have to be all purees until 26 weeks. Yeah. Um. So, but, you know, you could start to bring in a bit of texture. You're not given any sort of choking hazards. You're not given choking hazards. Kind Ever. of full stop. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, like a porridge type consistency isn't a choking hazard. Mm-hmm. So we're, our aim is to desensitize our baby's mouth to the different sensations of food. So if we wait too long, it can be harder for them to accept new textures. Um, you know, by about 10 months, babies can become kind of wary of new, new textures things. and things like that. So we're starting with, say, puree. So I started my three with puree. and then Puree what? Puree. So we're starting with vegetable first weaning. OK. Because we were all born with a sweet tooth. So lactose, whether you're breastfeeding, formula feeding or whatever combination, anything, all milk contains lactose. So lactose is the sugar in milk. And so we come back for more. We love it. So we all have a sweet tooth. You know, we'll all say, oh, my God, I have a terrible sweet tooth or I yes. don't want my child to have the sweet tooth that I have. So we all have a sweet tooth. Um, and that's our taste buds preference for sweet stuff. So basically they're going to love the sweet stuff. So you don't yeah, need to so give you it don't, to them. You don't need to put too much effort to get the sweet stuff in. So traditionally in Ireland, we would have started with puree pear and that kind of stuff. But we know now that if we start with the foods, we expect our babies to like least. So say our uh, vegetable first. So, you know, make a list of all the vegetables that you like to eat. If you don't eat asparagus, there's no point in making it your child's favourite food. Yes. Okay. Know, like if you're going back to work and, you know, plan ahead. How the weaning isn't the be all and end all. It's the foundations of family food. What we do now 
we'll be building on for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. So what what I would have seen over the last number of years is, you know, we're on maternity leave or, you know, parent, you have one child, you have more time off or, you know, you feel like you don't have any more time, but you actually have more time when other things <laughs> come. Yeah, exactly. If whatever. But um, so you want, you know, you want to start with the lowest um you know you're building on the basics so we're building on the foundations of food rather than starting with the shelburne menu and yes, you know and something you can't sustain to something yeah. that you can yes or you know and then you go back to work and you're home and you have 5 minutes to get a meal together so you want to get things as easy as possible okay for the long term so vegetable first weaning anyway wakes up our baby's taste buds you know to steer them in a different direction so we don't expect them with vegetable first weaning to love it. We don't expect them to bite your hand off. We expect that they'll spit it out. They'll make funny faces. They'll like. So you say know. you want, you want to start with broccoli. Yes. Say. You puree it like there's going to be like bits of broccoli, isn't there? So you're steaming it and then, um, you know, you could use like a soup mix. You could use. And an do you mix formula with it or water or s- breast milk? or? So you can, as long as your baby is growing well, and they're getting enough of their normal milk, whatever way you're feeding your baby, then you can use, you know, cow's milk, um, full fat cow's milk or a fortified plant milk. But if you're using any fortified milks, you have to make sure that they're really they're well shaken. Yeah, because the fortification sinks to the bottom. But so it's, you know, they don't need to be getting as much, um, you know, if you're happy to express and use breast milk, do that. Uh, but you don't need to use formula. Um, so, you know, they need a certain amount of nutrition from their usual milk. And then, y- you know, we don't want huge amounts of any other milk, but little bits in food is fine okay. or natural yogurt or things. So like you're that. not giving them like a beaker of milk. No, you're just putting a little bit into yeah. the broccoli and yeah. blitzing it. Yeah. And then offering it. Yeah. And you preloaded spoon. So you could blitz it. Uh, you know, if they're closer to 26 weeks, uh, you could just push it through a sieve and, you know, so we don't if you do sorry if you do purees we don't want them on purees for any longer than about 10 days even if you start at 21 weeks um you know you'd have a bit more leeway but you'd be you're not giving anything that's challenging but you could go from a puree to say a porridge type consistency okay. or so less know, water yeah again. so what's comfortable for you in your house mm-hmm. you know just because someone else's kid is eating blo- broccoli florets at 26 weeks you know you have to feel safe secure and ready to move yeah. on as well but if so because I was looking you said that in the master class like a box grater is a great thing because it makes the it, it stops some vegetables being a choking hazard yeah. so say you're grating a carrot a cooked carrot right yeah at what point can you just hand a baby some grated carrot like it depends on the baby you wouldn't go straight you know, it's a gradual step by step okay. thing. So if you were teaching your baby how to read, you know, and they found like off of their own door, obviously. Uh they found like I haven't started that yet, yeah. <laughs> Not an algebra yet, no. Um, you know, if they find a book easy, you'll know when you move on to the next book. So it's always forward, you know. Okay, so, so you're always starting with kind of a pure something that's a bit mushy and looks yeah, something like that's porridge. easy for them, that there's no challenge and then, you know, bring it in. And if they've a cold or a flu or they're totally bunged up, sometimes you might have to, go have back to simplify stage. it a little bit. Just, you know, the same way you'd be, you wouldn't want to be chewing and something with too much effort. And is there a set of like vegetables or foods that, you know, within, you know, by the time they get to this month, they should have tried all of these? Or is it more about textures? Uh, textures, flavours, colours, you know, so that that could be the variety. 
but within what you what you your family eats yeah, typically like you know if you want your baby to eat the foods that you enjoy mm-hmm. they're the foods that you want to help your baby develop a taste for the suitable foods you know obviously there's certain foods that aren't suitable like salty foods takeaways all that kind of stuff but yeah. um, you know there's no point in putting a huge amount of effort into getting your baby to like foods that you never eat so, and so say if you're having so say Noel and I eat spaghetti bolognese mm. on a Tuesday mm. how do you make that baby friendly for we like so it'd probably be you know about seven months really when you have all the different ingredients in but uh, you you know one pot is your pot one pot is Rory's pot and it's all the same ingredients but you might put the stock cube into okay, Rory's there's no one. salt yeah, yeah. Um, but the closer you get to a year the less of a concern that is and it's because of their liver is it or kidneys kidneys kidneys, kidneys yeah right okay yeah so it's no added salt but um you know it's and it's to avoid processed foods so it com- stems from um you know baby that was only weaned onto processed foods and went into kidney failure oh but wow yeah so it's to avoid um processed food avoid salt but if you were you know, lots of people would message me about they're on holidays. What do they do on holidays? So the closer you get to a year, the more okay it is. It's and it's it's volume as well. You know, if they had a little taste of your dinner, that's not a problem. But if they were eating the same foods as you at an early age, that might be a problem. And when do you start adding, like blitzing up, including like chicken and protein and stuff? So we're starting with the vegetable first weaning, and then we're looking at okay, we need to you know we want to bring in carbs, proteins, fats. Um, and things like that so uh, you know by 10 days or so vegetable first weaning then we can bring in the protein with a different veg each day so a bit different veg each day so you could you know if you start with your broccoli the next day you could have broccoli and parsnip oh you're adding to it so yeah you mixed. can do okay but you're not stirring it all together so you want her to know that oh, this is what broccoli tastes like and broccoli is green and this is what, this is what carrot tastes like or parsnip tastes like and this is a different colour but if we keep stirring everything together it all looks like yeah it all looks the same so it's the allergens we need to leave a 72 hour gap when we're introducing the allergens because okay. there can be a delayed reaction but when we have an allergy to a food we're reacting to the protein in the food whereas vegetables you know aren't potential allergens they don't have the protein content of the potential allergens so you can they're safe enough to yeah. do every day yeah mm-hmm. yeah so then we're doing that for 10 days yes and then I was asking about introducing those proteins or do you go straight to allergens then after the 10 days so uh, you can do either or, I suppose, depends on the age. Um, you know, if like the allergens, you know, you can do one and then bring in a protein or a carb and then. OK, yeah. so you don't have to do it every three days ad infinitum. No, no. Um, so we're talking about the allergens and people can uh, you know, do you, people can, I guess, follow you for, for more information. But when I did the masterclass, you know, it's there's like obviously there's the nuts there's soy, there's salmon, crustacean, like prawns, egg, egg, dairy, dairy, tahini. So yep. this is interesting. So you were saying that proteins are the thing that will cause the reaction and proteins are like links of a chain. And the thing that breaks the links is if you cook them. So the more pro- or by processing it, so the more cooked or more processed something is, the less likely, likely the reaction is. Yeah. So Rory had a big reaction to formula and... Um, but wasn't diagnosed with cow's milk protein allergy. It wasn't that bad. But we moved her onto a comfort milk, which right. has kind of pre-digested protein. So okay. they're a little bit looser. And she tolerated that well. Okay. We were doing a step down. Next thing was to do the, you know, the 
protein free one. Yeah. Um, does that indicate that she might have an, an allergy or that that we might need to process the things quite a lot? So I'd start with well cooked milk protein. Right. Okay. So, so the, you know, say if you think of the proteins in in the potential allergens like chains in a necklace. Yes. Yeah. Cooking them loosens the chains, so it lessens the the reaction. The, the hopefully the potential for a reaction. So by introducing say well cooked eggs, you know you're setting up for a better tolerance. Hopefully. Okay by introducing milk as cooked milk uh, initially, you know, but not every baby, it only because you've had a reaction yes. um, and then we can build on that. And do you need to introduce allergens like while parked outside Temple Street in case anything happens? You don't, but some parents do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm yeah. I, I'm thinking of it. Like, um, it's... Like, how drastic are the reactions and when do you actually need to go to a hospital? So, you know, it'll be different. Most babies won't have any reaction, but yeah. then there's always the one that might. Um, and so I say on a Saturday morning or something when there's, you know, not much traffic, you have somebody with you, you have support, you want your baby to be well, you're not in a rush anywhere. You know, if they had a cold or a flu or something and you introduced, you know, uh, an allergen and there was some sort of change, you'd be wondering, is it, the, well, was is it maybe it's the, the cold, cold or is it whatever? So you want them to be well. Um, and you want to do it rather than not do it because, um, you know, if we're all introducing potential allergens to our babies now, the theory would be that, um, you know, there'll be peanut butter sandwiches and lunch boxes in five mm -hmm. years time. If if because the introducing the allergens early is, uh, you know, has been shown to reduce the incidence of food allergy. So you don't want to find out they have a peanut allergy when they're at a birth party when they're five or so, for example, I ate a lot of nuts while Rory, while I was pregnant with Rory and I frequently eat nut protein balls mm. around her and, you yeah. know, sometimes yeah. they fall on her head yeah. if she's breastfeeding. Yeah. Like, well, she would have got it through your breast milk as well. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's the best, you know, the best you can do. Um, so, yeah, hopefully there'll be no reaction. I tried yeah. to eat all of the allergens yeah. while I was yeah. breastfeeding. Yeah. So hopefully Great. there'll be Perfect. no yeah. reaction. Exactly. Um, okay, so I know we have a lot of questions from listeners, but is there anything else... Um, I know I've kind of hijacked the conversation with real like early stuff and I'm sure there are parents of toddlers who have other questions but um, so oh sorry no I was asking when do you start like blitzing chicken into things so you were saying broccoli then like broccoli and parsnip do that for 10 days then bring in you know your proteins your carbs so you're trying to get to a balanced meal, meal right um, and then you know that's based on what you eat and then it's you know to try and sit together what's realistic you know maybe one parent does breakfast one parent does a different meal it's you don't have to go to three meals straight away but if your baby's taking a couple of teaspoons rather than giving 10 teaspoons in one meal, meal space you know it out. yeah space it out so how do you introduce like pasta or rice or bread how do you introduce carbohydrates so you know make a list of the carbohydrates that you use you know you can buy the baby pastas you just don't want say fruit flavored different things you can get like um you know little shapes yeah little tiny shapes and you know smaller than a grain of rice you could start with that or you could start with uh you know chop up spaghetti with a with a scissors or something cooked spaghetti and let let her use that as a little finger food that's not a choking hazard is it not depending on the the size you chop it right, you're chopping okay. it up like a bit of rice and not putting loads of it in front of it so even if you use the box grater for different things you know the baby has the potential to try and stuff their mouth with too much stuff yeah but you're trying to you know pace her a little bit okay. until she gets the hang of it 
And even if you're doing spoon feeding, you're still putting the pasta in front of her and letting her put it in her own mouth. Yeah, so we ought to co- encourage self-feeding from early on. Okay. So that could be the spoon, a preloaded spoon. But like putting pasta on a spoon is difficult. Yeah, or no, with, yes, use it oh. as a finger food. And um, it's not that she can actually get it, but if she's trying, that's she's getting the hang of it. And so if she's trying, but she's not succeeding, do I just let that be or do I try and put some in her mouth? I wouldn't say you put it in her mouth, but you, you know, you could hold it in your hold the palm of your hand closer to her mouth and then she can try and get it from the palm of okay. her, your hand to her mouth but you know and lots of uh, parents would say you know texting so say if their baby was sick early on and there was a lot of messing around their you know medicine and whatever yeah. that they're very sensory around their mouth so you're trying to desensitise them as well so she hates having her mouth wiped okay so then uh, you know it's kissing her it's you know that just decent yeah, yeah getting desensitize her, used to her in the mouth and then you, you're not wiping or cleaning her until, until the, the meal, meal is, is over finished. got it so that could be like a little bowl that she sticks her fingers in or you know bringing her over to the sink and she can splash her hands and mm-hmm. making it a bit fun but if you're cleaning 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 you know she's never going to relax I compare it to when she starts trying to colour if you were there with a rubber trying to keep her inside the lines, lines and yes, you know yeah. she's going to say I'm not going to colour it anymore. So, you know, the more chilled out it can be, the better. Do you want to tell people about the whole meal, whole wheat? Yeah. Because I always thought that was healthier. Yeah. So, um, you know, babies aren't mini adults. Kind of, you know, we eat whole grains to be fuller for longer. Good motility, all that kind of stuff. But if, uh, so with babies say their stomach is roughly the size of their fist, if we fill them too much with whole grains, it keeps them f- too full for too long. It uh, We know whole grains contain things called phytates and phytates can uh, hinder the absorption of things like iron and calcium and all that in the bowel. So it's not that we don't want to give whole grains, but we're limiting them until you know they're over two. Uh, just to allow for appetite, to allow for um, you know absorption of iron and things like that. So we want, you know, you'd use whole grain, you know, like your different breakfasts and things like that but we don't want whole grain breakfast whole grain bread whole grain pasta whole grain rice it's just way too much and that'd be one of the things you know that if you're raising your child vegan or vegetarian that you'd have a one-to-one consultation or something just to uh, yeah because obviously you know vegan is healthy but it you don't have to be you can be plant-based without being fully vegan you know how do you introduce toast I feel like I got toast very early in my childhood. Okay, Uh, so toast would be like white bread toasted with crusts cut off. and Why the crusts cut off are the best part? Well, you could eat them. Yeah, yeah, but uh, that's the start of uh, big picking uh, when you're feeding kids. But uh, just a choking hazard that it's more likely to fall apart or fall off. And uh, whereas, you know, white toast toasted, they can suck on it a bit more and it's less likely to go into pieces. Okay, so it's safe from safer, yeah. Um, but you never leave your baby alone when feeding. Um, so like a, you know, a two soldier. Old, yeah, exactly, yeah. a big soldier, and you stay with them, and um, you know that they, yeah. Do you put butter on it? Yes. Just taking a break from my podcast to tell you about another podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. If you're a fan of RuPaul's Emmy Award winning series, RuPaul's Drag Race, then this is the podcast for you. It's called Sissy That Pod and it's hosted by Keanu Sullivan and it recaps each episode of the series and it delves into like the really nitty gritty bits of each challenge, performances, the feuds that come up. It goes on week by week. And if you like RuPaul's Drag Race, it's a must listen. 
Sissy That Pod is a reaction podcast to all things RuPaul's Drag Race. You may have seen the memes or you may have seen the queens, but if you watch the show, then you're going to want to listen to Sissy That Pod. Every week after the TV show airs, we have a new episode with a new guest analysing, speculating and dissecting the show. Who's going to win Snatch Game? Will there be a lip sync Lala Perusa? Who's going to be crowned Miss Congeniality? These are all big questions in our world. I'm currently covering Drag Race Season 15 with our extra special guest host, comedian and actress Erin McGathy. So, in the words of Shania Twain, come on over and come on in to the world of Sissy That Pod, wherever you get your podcasts or on Headstuff Plus. Let's move on to the questions. My eight and a half month old doesn't want to feed himself. I have to feed him the finger food. What if a baby doesn't want to feed themselves? So... Uh, you know, you are trying to encourage self-feeding. If, could you, you know, are you given preloaded spoons? Are they interested in food in general? Or are you feeding everything to them? Um, you know, are they full of milk? Uh, is it an ongoing thing or has it developed recently? Are they going off their food and getting teeth or constipated or anything like that? Uh, so, you know, you, you acknowledge the behaviour you want to see more of and try and ignore the stuff you want to see less of. So... Uh, if when, they ever do it yeah so it. when they yeah when they pick up the f- if you get them to pick up a food or if you bring your mouth close and try and get them to feed you and then it's a bit of fun and then they you know start trying to pick up the food and uh, you know even you, you know just to try and uh, invoke a bit of curiosity in the food if a baby has n- or a toddler has mm. no interest in food really mm. just kind of wants to be out playing with their toys yep. you see a lot of parents you know kind of following them around yeah. with the spoon trying to get something into them what do you do in that situation if they've no interest? Just leave them and they'll so, come to it when they're hungry? Like from birth to about a year, there's phenomenal growth, phenomenal development. But from a year-ish onwards, growth levels down and appetite levels down. So right. your eat all, eat everything under one year old isn't necessarily an eat all, eats everything over one year old. So mm-hmm. we know that their appetite changes and you know parents will start to stress that you know they couldn't be getting enough there's no way they're getting enough they're not eating enough and then starts the chasing around the kitchen yeah um but you know you're raising an intuitive eater you're are they growing fine there's certain things that we want to to make sure that are on offer and then it's you know often a toddler will only eat two decent meals in the day and mightn't eat the third meal mm-hmm. and but they're still growing fine often and you know for both parents that are working Maybe they have breakfast in childcare, lunch in childcare, and then you're seeing them at their worst time of the day. So they're eating least for you. You're least patient. They're most tired and most full. You know, so, yeah, breakfast, so is off, yeah, breakfast is often a toddler's best meal of the day. So and then you're judging everything on the the last meal of the day and feel like nothing's going well. But the crash is telling you they're eating everything. So it's, um, you know, it's it's more than one meal mm-hmm. you know that you can't judge it um but uh, you know and parents will often ask me as well uh what should they offer uh, for the meal when they come home but you offer them a little bit of whatever you're having yourself okay. and you know rather than cooking something separate and if they don't want it grant yeah exactly you provide they decide is it okay to give a baby a yogurt every day one pot of glenisk baby yogurt so yeah uh you know yogurt is a form of dairy is a form of milk so yes yes yeah do you just have to look for added sugar or is that fine so yeah whatever brand you're buying you're looking at you don't want sugar to be 
uh, the first ingredient or fruit concentrate or things like that, you want, you know, sugar to be either not an ingredient or the last ingredient. Okay. So there's loads of, um, you know, and good Irish brands as well. Um, you know, and you can use, say, natural yogurt and a bit of banana or mash it up or, you know, they can dip their, f- their you know, fruit in or whatever. Okay. Yep. Um, my 15 month old eats from preloaded spoons, can't leave bowl on the tray. How to teach them not to throw? So they're delighted with themselves that they can throw. You know, it's a skill. It's not out of badness. Every child baby does it at some point. So, you know, the best you can do is give the throwing no attention. So, you know, praise what you want to see more of or acknowledge the the spoon work, mm-hmm. the whatever, and give keep, you know, have three spoons on the go. Give them the preloaded spoons. But it is a phase. It will pass. Just, you know, just ignore it. Yeah, just don't give it any attention. When should baby be on three meals a day? So it's different for every baby, really, you know, certainly by about nine months, but it can be way before that. You know, if your baby is flying just because they're on three meals a day doesn't meet doesn't mean that they're getting more from solids than a baby who's on one meal a day. You know, it's all about the quantity. So go take your baby's lead. OK, um, what are the pros and cons of moving to a follow on milk? I know there's no need to, but I'd like to know. Yeah, so um like you just don't need to but uh, yeah. there's you know like taste the milk and um, sometimes they can be sweeter than milk I know why follow on milk was invented mm. like so formula companies are not allowed to advertise milk under one under one yeah. or under six months under six yeah, months sorry. so they're not allowed to advertise yeah. the first milk mm. so they made these follow on milks so they yes. can advertise them yes there's really no need for them there's no need for them no and so don't use them so I've never had to prescribe them for a child um um you know so in special circumstances if you know it's um you know nutritionally child just isn't meeting certain things then perhaps but if they're fortified with vitamin d and iron we can look at the diet and get vitamin d and And iron. iron so never feed your baby or give your baby something that you wouldn't eat yourself you know taste if you're buying any sort of uh baby food taste it and if you go then don't give it to yeah them. so I'm not saying that the for follow on milks are but if something is sweeter your baby's going to love it and that's not going to make your life easier so um, you know I suppose the, the baby food industry is the fastest growing food and beverage industry in the world there's every sort of research going into how can we get this into your shopping trolley the packaging yeah. the you know even my now four year old you know if she's sitting in the trolley and you know it's so interesting what is in her line. Yeah, it's in her, you know, and she'll see the yellow green baby and, you know, and she wants that into the trolley. So it's not accidental the way things are placed. And it makes me so annoyed. I know, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's what you're, uh, that's just not going to make your life feeding your baby easier. What your baby is eating at nine months is indicative of the tastes and flavours they've eaten at age five. So sounds ridiculous, but like start thinking, how can I make my life as easy as possible with the five year old? What are the dinners what are the breakfasts what are the you know and then little stepping stones to get in there
Taking a break from the show to tell you about our sponsor, humdingermortgages.ie, your new gaff without the faff. Humdinger are an award-winning mortgage brokerage and they specialise in finding the right mortgage for you. The best part is that you deal with the broker and they deal with every major bank in the Irish market so you don't have to trawl around talking to loads of people. They also make the best recommendation on what's the best way to proceed for you specifically and they stay at your side to help you at every step of the way from application to drawing down your mortgage. They're in the mortgage business, right? Not the application business. They have absolutely no interest in putting you through the ringer and getting you to fill out loads of forms without getting a mortgage at the end and they're really honest from the get-go about what the problems might be with your application but then they don't abandon you they will stay by your side and give you the best advice on how to make sure that you are successful the next time you apply they specialize in helping first-time buyers people looking to trade up and people like me who are looking to save ourselves some money by switching our mortgage for a better rate and like for me I'm going to switch my mortgage I'm working with Humdinger because like a reduction of even 0.5% on my mortgage rate can save me like 30 grand in interest over the whole term of my mortgage mortgages are the biggest financial decision you are ever going to make so take advantage of speaking to experts and go to humdingermortgages.ie to begin your journey um, someone has asked the first foods when you don't want to give fruits or high sugar options but we talked about yeah, vegetables so vegetable first, first weaning so traditionally in Ireland it was you know your your baby rice your pureed pear so that's probably what so is there no need for those packets of baby rice that no. say like bedtime something you just no and it's you know they're, your baby will love them because generally they're flavoured and sweet but no you don't you don't have to buy any baby products whatsoever okay maybe baby just food products give them normal food like if you give normal food, you're developing their taste buds for normal mm, food. foods. And uh, so it's not, you know, we all have days that go pear shaped and you need uh, last minute, you know, but you can think of your eggs on toast. You know, if you th- if you can break down food to, OK, how we have carbon, this how we have protein, how we About a veg or a fruit yeah. and assemble a dinner. It doesn't have to be worthy of a picture of Instagram. OK, yeah, but it has to be <laughs> um, best foods to start with for baby led weaning. Yeah, so it's, you know, thinking about the veggies that you eat, you know, what are the veggies that you eat and what can be adapted to suit the baby. But you have to do the squish test, um, you know, so I'd post up the other. What you're doing there is moving your index yeah, finger so to your squashing thumb. squashing my, uh, yeah. Uh, so say the post up the other day, you know, not all carrot is cooked the same way, you know, so you can't assume that once one piece of carrot is cooked that the whole pot is perfect okay so, so it, they all need know, to be squishable yeah and you know that you're cooking them roughly the same size same shape same um you know and y- but you can do a combination as well you could you know a combination of baby lead and puree so that uh say you're starting with broccoli and it's a very well cooked florette with a bit of puree on the side you know mm-hmm. or fork mashed or something so you know baby lead is kind of like um formed version of puree you know that the broccoli looks like broccoli but actually as soon as you touch it it turns to a puree you know what I mean Um, what to do sorry when do you know to introduce more foods your baby will tell you that they're you know that they're satisfied they're enjoying themselves they're coming back for more they're opening their mouth they're like more foods though like more more variety I think so yeah more variety so you know when things are going well keep adding in keep things adding in. and and it's not um and even when things aren't going well you know you're you're, you're lo- working on familiarity so it's uh you keep putting things in front of them but if they don't you know if you stop offering foods they're never going to get familiar with them so say we your example there on the second day you give broccoli and parsnip mm. and they didn't love broccoli on the first mm. day but or 
or say they did love broccoli on the first day and they still love it but they don't love the parsnip do you offer the parsnip again but only with something else that they do like or how do you keep yeah 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 offer everything again so if okay. it's something that you say they don't have to like it but if it's something that's going to that you like that's going to make your life easier you know you want to keep offering it keep offering it I remember for my eldest I it was parsnip as it happens and he had no interest and in my head I was like well he definitely doesn't like it but I'd tell parents to uh, have it again sure. so I better do it and I you know put it away gave you know gave him a fresh version the next day from the freezer or whatever and he munched it up the next day so all oh, right okay so if you'd stopped he yeah just exactly so it could we break it down to oh my god they don't like it but maybe he's just getting tired he's getting teeth he's a bit yeah. constipated he needs to go to the toilet he's just tired you know he's been in the chair for 15 minutes and he's had his fill I always say I didn't like red wine the first time I tasted it there you go <laughs> um, can you feed kiwis to a baby early on you can yeah uh, so there I know the seeds there are some people with kiwi allergy but um, yes you can um, you know ripe in a texture that's right for your baby things like that how do you know when it's time to move on from purees um, like you don't want to stay on puree for any longer than 10-ish days depending on when you start and then you go on to fork mash so it's just desensitising their mouth so you know say puree is thicker than milk and then what's the next thing that's thicker than that so the more you can just stepping stones along okay uh, rather than going straight from puree to... So there's no need to be buying like these big machines that puree everything so you're going to be no, using it for 10 days. Like. Yeah, and like I find, I would say we're all, you know, we all like the easy option. So if we buy a machine that does everything, we're going to use it for too long. Right, okay. Whereas if we don't buy the machine and it is a little bit of hassle, we'll gradually just Do move along because okay. life is taking over and you'll use the fork and, and environmentally as well like just buy as little as you can baby rice very watery to start with is that so baby rice isn't really you know recommended anymore it's um so there was uh, research in belfast about the arsenic levels in rice so baby rice uh, has fallen out of favor it's and it's tasteless odorless uh you know there's no point it's not, you know, start with your vegetable first weaning. If you have a packet in the press, you know, and th- you make a dinner and it's too watery, you could thicken up a dinner or something. But or you could just give a bit of your own, own rice, but you don't have to use baby rice at all. OK, um, iron sources for early in weaning journey. So, you know, we want to it- introduce iron rich sources early on. So, you know, if you're happy to give your child uh, animal products, you know, red meat about the size of your baby's palm three times a week should tick the iron box, you know, and you can, I have on my Instagram different bolognese's and things like that. Um, egg yolk, uh, then your vegetable proteins, you know, like your lentils, chickpeas, beans in a suitable uh, way added to food. But say the high bile, so our babies have small stomachs and high requirements for mm-hmm. iron. So a, a concentrated source that's easily absorbed ticks a lot of boxes so in a small concentration or in a small amount. So that would be your animal sources. Where and when can you start that? After your 10 days. Okay. Yeah, so and early in weaning. Even, and, but it's going to be a little bit textured. Like yeah, so say if on my Instagram I have it, so I would have made like the bolognese sauce based on the veg that I introduced first mm-hmm. and then cooked the meat added to it. So the mince could be the texture. And, um, you know, that that could be on a preloaded spoon. So okay. early on, uh, you know, you don't just give them everything. You kind of take out a little spoon, maybe you'd mash it with a fork again or something just to see, uh, you know, that there's no big surprise lumps. 
Um, not sure if this is a question for you. How many ounces should a nine month old be drinking from a bottle and which bottle to drop first? So from about seven months, we're saying 16 to 20 ounces. And then we're working towards at a year that they they only need, you know, about 300 mils of milk. Um, so it depends on what's right in your house. You know, okay. if, you know, if you're getting out, you know, it dep- like there's no one way. It's what is the right way. I just wish house. there was one way. <laughs> But that, that's what stresses parents out, though, because, you know, they've been buying books that say do it this way. And you go and you go, I'm going to do this perfectly. I'm going to follow this person's way. And then you go back to work or real life takes over and you can't sustain what you started with. So start, you know, make your aim the norm. Mm-hmm. So before you start, sit down, and think, right, well, you know, what's our ideal scenario here? OK. And work towards it. Um, toddler has a food aversion after hand, foot and mouth. Any tips to build appetite and enjoy food? So, uh, you know, we expect toddlers to go through a fussy phase, their appetite changes and everything. So uh, it's uh, like sensory. You're trying to keep them as familiar as possible with food uh, without any pressure to eat it. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, you're you're trying to invoke the curiosity. You're trying to you don't want you want, uh, say, buffet style meals at the table so that there's always something on offer that you know that they'll like and then that you know get them to put a spoonful on your table or there's a thing called a learning plate not an actual thing that you buy you know a little plate to the side that they might try food or something um uh, then you, there are 32 steps to eating so we're black and white just eat the food mm-hmm. end of story but actually eating is a big deal and uh you know the last part in eating the 32nd step is the food reaching the belly. Okay. So we don't work on number 32. We work on one to 32. Okay, yeah. yeah. And that's seeing the food, touching the food, interacting with the food, using food in arts and crafts, you know, making pasta necklaces, uh, getting them to crack the eggs to make pancakes. uh, Getting them involved. Yeah, getting them to go to your neighbour's house and pick eggs or pick fruit or pick... So the more they can interact with food without any pressure to eat it, even scraping dirty plates, empty plates with you know leftover food into the bin mm-hmm. that's the ultimate in no pressure to eat it Cause you're but you're keeping them familiar with it it's okay. like if your toddler had an aversion to dogs you know how would you yeah you'd be reading stories about dogs and yeah you'd be dogs making it as relaxed as possible you wouldn't just put them in a room with a dog you, you know <laughs> or say my uh, four year old I'd love if she would draw more paint more or, you know mm-hmm. more into arts and crafts so I'm not just going to tell her to paint just you know I have to sit down with her and yeah uh, which is a bit inconvenient but <laughs> and any advice for weaning a child with CMPA cow's milk protein allergy so usually we'd have a one to one consultation but uh, you know it's the same principles it's just um, you know are you breastfeeding and off dairy or are they on specialised formula and if they are we'd look at it that way um, have you been told about the milk ladder you know it depends if it's a different type of allergy which allergy uh, but often we want them to be six months cow's milk protein free or um, over nine months before we'd start the milk ladder. So the milk ladder goes back to the allergens. The bottom step of the milk ladder is very well cooked milk protein. So and then we ge- generally move we move up the steps. So the first step, as it happens in the milk ladder, is malted milk biscuits, which uh, sounds crazy. But 
it's uh, because it's cooked milk protein. It's not that we want to give your baby biscuits. It's that the milk has been cooked for 30 minutes at 180 degrees. So it's like you won't not give an antibiotic or something because the sugar in it. Yes, it's, you know, and it's so you're sprinkling the malted milk biscuit over the food that they're already tolerating. But we'd have to probably need a one to one. Yeah. And we have to know that you've been given the go ahead for the milk ladder and things like that. Um, Weaning a baby with extreme reflux, actual reflux disease, the do's and don'ts. So reflux is, you know, the food coming up the esophagus, burning the esophagus. So you're more than likely on medication for it. Um, Generally, reflux is the sphincter at the stomach hasn't fully developed, um, you know, and if you think milk is obviously very runny, so it's more likely to come up, whereas food is thicker and can help. Um, not that you need to start weaning earlier or anything like that, but you know, food is thicker, so it's less it's not likely gonna come to come up, up like milk. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And as your baby gets older, the sphincter is uh, developed more. There are people out there, experts and not registered, Koru registered dietitians saying the traffic light system, you know, red light, green light, yellow light. But actually, there's no evidence behind that whatsoever. So okay. that's going the rounds in Ireland at the moment. But and it's stressing an awful lot of parents out. Uh, trying to stick to this unevidence based uh, traffic light system it's very annoying like yes. it, so no parental needs to come with a commercial morning yeah it does I wish I'd known that beforehand um, do you need to follow one food at a time and wait or can you start with different foods mixed start with one at a time and you know until they're established on solids and then yeah. and then you can mix yeah. them um, how to get a baby used to drinking water so it takes a while like you know, I didn't uh, know that. It, is it just they don't like it because yeah, it's well, bland? Yeah, well, it's tasteless, pointless. Yeah. You know, if they're used to, um, you know, whatever way you feed your baby, it comes with a cuddle. It's, you know, generally looking into your eyes, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's no real incentive for them to like water. But, but do they have to drink water? Well. Uh, That's the recommendation. Yeah. Because if we wait too long, it'll be way harder to help them develop a taste for water okay. when they're 18 months or a year or whatever. So uh, you're not. You're not trying to get them to drink a certain amount of water. You're trying to help them develop a taste for water. So my now four year old, it probably took eight to ten weeks before she actually developed a taste for water. And that was, you know, me showing her how I drink out of the beaker, um, acknowledging the positive, um, you know, so free flowing beaker. Don't parents often chop and change beakers then to try and get them to drink it. But actually, if you keep chopping and changing, they're never getting used to any beaker. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, buy the simplest, cheapest bottom shelf beaker stick with it offer it at every meal you know and that is something that you know you might help them bring it to their mouth and it's only a little trickle to gradually help them you know get used to it so it's cool boiled water in ireland until a year in the uk they say um tap water so it depends on the water quality Mm -hmm. in your area so cool boiled just means that uh sanitized yes so that the risk of food poisoning Bacteria. Well, we had Rory swimming and she drank Swallowed loads of water, pool, yeah. so <laughs> she probably won't have an issue with it. Um, when to worry about a one year old eating very little? Weaning bottles has made no difference. Have one to one. Okay. Yeah. Are they growing? Um, you know, have they ever ate well? And what was that on the one to one? Yeah, we need to know more. If you are enjoying my podcast and you're enjoying my Instagram content and you think, you know what, how can I help Stephanie? How can I support Stephanie? I just want to give back, you know. There's a way. There is a way. Cam, 
you can sign up to become a Headstuff Plus member. It'll give you bonus content, content, extra episodes, and you can sign up by going to headstuffpodcasts.com. You become kind of one of the Headstuff community at that point, and you can get in touch with me, get podcasts on demand, whatever you want covered, we'll cover it. It's definitely worth a fiver a month. Go for it. Tips on baby led weaning when starting out because I'm terrified of choking. So every parent is terrified of choking. And if you're absolutely terrified of choking, don't do baby led weaning. Right, okay. That'd be my number one tip. Um, you know, if you, the, the, it has to be a relaxed, positive experience. You, you're relaxed, baby's relaxed. They're not too tired, not too hungry. When you start off, if you start baby led because you feel like you have to do baby led, you're literally going to be hovering over them. And, you know, they're not going to feel like this is an enjoyable Fair experience. So <coughs> don't do baby led. Um, I heard doctor. So, so I heard a doctor on air saying that children are grazers. Are we putting too much pressure on ourselves by and babies by trying to get them to eat three meals? Should we feed them little and often instead? So it's understanding that uh, your toddler's appetite changes from a year on. Um, you know, like that's a bit of a big statement. Um, if we go down the grazing route, grazing means snacking. Snacking means generally snack foods. Snack foods means foods that are marketed Processed, at children. Yeah. Um, so that's not going to make your life easier and it's going to be an expensive way of going. I think a better way of saying it would be appetite changes. Don't expect your kids to eat everything. Uh, you provide, they decide. Um, you know, don't expect them to clear their plate. Um, keep it positive. You know, make mealtimes more about connection and not just about what reaches their belly. You know, you can play I Spy with I Spy the Green Broccoli. Don't, they don't have to know how to spell. Um, you know, th- different things like that. You can t- uh, talk about, you know, think think of like you're trying to develop their language and these strawberries are so juicy and these, mm-hmm. ra- you know, so food isn't just about feeding them. Food is connection, social development, catching up with each other so like one of the biggest surprises kind of for me in parenthood excuse me <coughs> would be um like i have a 10 and 12 so i have a four-year-old a 10 and a 12 year old so the 10 and the 12 year old you know it's amazing how quickly we spend so little time together yeah that you know they have school they have sport they have playstation they have friends so if we didn't sit together and eat together um you know i would never really it might be in the car when I'm taxiing them to yeah. football or whatever. But so, f- you know, make food how you more connect. about, you the know, about, yeah, about connection. Like you, it's where you hear about what happened in school. It's who said what, what's upsetting them or what went well in the day or whatever. But if it's only about what reaches their belly, then you're missing the point. Really. Yeah. And you're missing an opportunity to connect. I'm going to ask this as a last question. What stage of weaning should I introduce fruit and should I start with um, should I start with it on its own or mix with the veg? So, uh, you know, we know that our babies have a preference for sweet foods. So we're starting with the vegetable first weaning and then gradually bringing in fruit or, you know, sweet flavours kind of on an even pedestal or an even playing field with all the other ones. So we don't want them. We know your baby is more than likely going to like strawberries and like, you know, fruit flavoured foods so you know try and bring them in at the same time as 
the other foods. So, and are you blitz? Because I know from your maths class, you talk about um, water soluble vitamins mm-hmm. and how if you cook fruit, basically there's nothing of value left in it except sugar. Yeah. So how are you? And, well, the fiber and that would be still there, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how how do you introduce fruit in a way if you're not doing baby led weaning yeah. in a way that's not a choking hazard? So use your fork, fork mash banana. Uh, you know, they can lick bananas off their fingers, fork mashed uh, strawberries, grated box grater, pear, ripe pear, apple. Things and can like you that. just give them the grated pear, like a little bit so of So a very ripe pear is perfect for baby led weaning, kind of, you know, once you take yeah. a bit of the skin off and it squashes. Um, but even that in the box grater is just a different sensation in your baby's mouth. Okay. Um, and say your toddler that has no interest in eating and you know there's no reason why you can't offer a sweet food with a meal yes so sometimes you just need uh, a food there to settle them and they get up and say oh there's my favorite strawberries and they might eat strawberry and then they might mix the strawberry with the pasta and things like that so you don't have to wait until they're finished one food to offer the new food so we've grown up with food rules diet culture we're bad if we eat this we need to earn that whatever but we don't have to pass any of that on to our kids and you know, an awareness of what we don't want to pass on is is valuable. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask another question now, even though I said it was the last one. What about food touching each other on the plate? Yes. I have a thing about it, but I'm autistic. I don't know if Rory is yet, but yep. should... Uh, now, my food, I don't mind other people's food touching yeah. on the plate. So should I let her food touch or not let her food touch? You should let her food touch. Okay. Good. But you said that carrots and parsnip should be, like, separate. So they're but separate I, in colour. I mean... Um, you know, when you get baby's food ready, yeah. our first tendency is to stir everything together. Okay. Whereas if we spoon feed a bit of carrot, or, you know, or offer a preloaded spoon mm-hmm. with a bit of carrot, you know, or put it in front of her that she can pick and mix. Okay. But so say the 32 steps of eating, you know, food touching each other would be a step. Okay. And if so say on the plate, there's like mashed banana and then there's like some chopped up spaghetti, but that's fine. They're separate, but they can touch each other. Yes. Yeah. Um, but they're not mixed together. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, and you like a lot of the fancy paraphernalia for feeding kids would have different separators on the plate. Yeah. But that's like setting yourself up for hassle later yeah. on. You know, if you have a five year old that won't eat the potato because it touched off the beans. You know, you'd or a thirty-six like, or thirty-five year old. <laughs> if you could avoid it, uh, no, but it's it's a totally uh, valid. You know, th- say on the sensory eating, on fussy eating, say um, spectrum. Yes, that uh, you know, people will say that. Oh, my child is uh, so difficult to feed, or very fussy, or whatever. But they don't mind everything touching. Then I'll say, well, that is the next step. You know, so you're where they are is a good place yes okay you know so it's you know make your aim the norm okay Cathy I did your weaning masterclass and I felt like I learned absolutely loads if people want more from you or they want to do the masterclass or they have any more questions because I have loads that I didn't get to where can they find you www.weaning.ie or on Instagram at weaning.ie thank you so much that is another episode of basically thank you so much for listening if you have any questions you can get in touch with me or you can get in touch with our guest there where she let you uh, at weaning.ie which she let you know Um, our music is by Only Ruin our graphic design is by Kahalo Gara we're produced by Julie Hassett and we are part of the Headstuff Podcast Network see you next week
This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Thank <laughs> you.